Hey, deep fried neurons here. Uh, this was supposed to be released yesterday, but I couldn't release it because I didn't record it. Um, chores got in the way, mostly laziness and procrastination. Um, so here it is. I'm talking about Noam Chomsky and Edward Henson's book, Manufacturing Consent, uh, just so that you know what you're getting into. And uh, that's it. I'm gonna cue the fucking. Well, I'm pretty sure you've read the title and I'm pretty sure that most of you might have even read the book. It's one of the most influential books of the 20th century and it is definitely one of the most interesting commentaries on the media industry in our time. Definitely very, very relevant to this day. But the reason I'm making this episode is because of this clip. For those of you living under a rock or just like generally misinformed or don't have the national context because uh, I know that a bunch of people, bunch of you are not Indian or are in India or whatever, uh, that audio clip is Arnab Goswami, a very popular, extreme popular uh, news anchor news anchor uh, at republic tv uh, owned by asianet news where he was talking about the sushant singh rajput uh, cbi inquiry and something about uh, leaked messages and drug tests or uh, conversations about having drugs and um, just the performativeness of his assertion in um, what addicts sound like is uh, what I needed to show as to where serious journalism in the country stands as of today. And you've read the title. I, I just briefly introduced it in the first few seconds of the podcast that uh, this book is mostly a commentary on media. And you would have guessed by now why this uh, commentary is, is the way it is and why it's relevant to what happened with Arnab currently. And, uh, I feel like I've jumped a little far too ahead in the conversation to start talking about what I want to talk about, but I think that hooks you into the conversation, so I'm going to leave it inside and start from the top as to why we're talking about manufacturing consent and what manufacturing consent is. Manufacturing consent is a book written by Edward S. Herman and Noam Chomsky. To any liberal professors listening who might have just their pants, I'm extremely sorry. (laughs) Uh, One of the most well-known and most cited public intellectuals of our time, Noam Chomsky, is behind this uh, book. And while in 2020, manufacturing Mm. consent's insight seems like general knowledge or just, you know, fucking duh. Um, In 1988, that wasn't the case. That's when the book was written. And the book largely talked about the economy and the politics of mass media and how their credibility is severely challenged by the institutionalization or the way the institutionalization is structured, mostly in Western democracies. But I believe that the example extends to all media institutions in general as to how any private media in a democracy should or may run. The book's basic premise is very simple. It basically argues that media does not function in a democracy or a typical Western democracy such as the United States to inform the public and uh, like sort of help them participate in the political conversation better. 
but it helps the global uh, the regional elite along with the political ruling class to sort of facilitate a safe functioning democracy and uh, facilitate consumerism for the people them people within the uh, within the ruling class so that they can profit persistently one of the testaments of time has fortunately led uh, especially american democracy uh, to believe that controlling people with the threat of violence isn't exactly the easiest thing while it is effective it has a very dated and a very limited time period to control people more effectively a more um, participatory illusion of um, autonomy is safer which is why manufacturing consent comes in and the media becomes the machine of propaganda for the state and the elite which sort of pushes on the message that the elite need the people to know for the uh, democracy to function in a way that benefits the status quo now the first question that appears is that whose consent is being being manufactured um, i think on multiple commentaries and in the book a partly in the book but mostly in multiple commentaries uh, mr nomsky has uh, professor nomsky uh, nomsky professor chomsky has uh, presented his argument that there's two major divisions that he's talking about the first is the political class uh, which sort of is the people the writers the teachers uh, the people in semi important uh, places like uh, positions of influence within uh, small societal groups that consist about 20% of the normal population that's that's a group of uh, people that people assign credibility to which is why their political opinion matters a lot of the propaganda is catered to them and hence the, they're the primary the primary target audience for uh, for whose uh, uh, consent must be manufactured and the other 80% is the working class who is supposed to not do any thinking at all leave the thinking to the political class but mostly to the elite so that the people in the public offices can make the decisions that they need to make in order to well benefit the state or benefit themselves whichever suits their uh, their perspective at the point but essentially they're the ones paying uh, for everything because they're the one that pay the taxes they're the one who create the numbers uh, in in majority which means that they are the bulk consumer base essentially meaning that they must be the ones who the consumerist uh, tendencies of the uh, mass mass population be catered to furthermore uh, the most popular thing that came out of this is the five uh, f- filters through which propaganda is filtered before it arrives to us uh, so it must come to you even though there is legitimate journalism and legitimate truth that needs to be addressed or be uh, circulated by uh, by credible media sources it has to be edited and curated before you before uh, by five filters which is what chomsky argues in 1988 the first filter of course is the media ownership now the question uh, the first question that we uh, that must come to us is that how do the elite control the media of course it's very clear very simple question very simple answer but more importantly let's understand how the priorities are set in a setting where somebody owns the media the primary uh, the primary uh, goal of a media company is not to bring you news the primary 
goal of a media company that works for a large conglomerate is to make sure that the money that their investors have put in their business goes out as a profit and hence the more sensational bits the bits that will gain more attention the bits that will make the most money the bits that are good for business are the ones that must be curated first and be curated to be seen for the most people so critical journalism has to take a back seat when it comes to profit insurement that the prime time news must be something that people want to hear adhering to your confirmation bias to get your viewership is important to them because it ensures their profits sensationalism and shock value ensures that people will tune in and people will want to know absurdity of the same is about the same thing then there's well the second and the more obvious one uh, in relation to the first one is advertising money the reason advertising is important is because it's not directly what you call a consumer informing agency it's a consumer persuasion agency the book sort of talks about how while the media needs your eyes and, and the reason the media needs your eyes to, to feed on their content is not because it only ensures them profit by viewership but the way it offers them profit as well by advertisement basically what they're promising you is media content which is what you watch the tv channel for you tune into a random channel and you want to watch your favorite show or your news of the day and in exchange you and your audience and your attention span to your screen is sold to advertisement companies or product manufacturers who want to persuade you to buy their product and that's how that that relationship is not only is media selling you content that they produce but the content they produce is securing an audience with credible and consistent watch time which is promising from which they are promising to the advertisers you along the the consumer is the product for the advertisers so it's a three-handed uh, trade uh, trade card if you will the primary reason why this is happening is because most media economic models do not have the the ways to secure the kind of income that they need to to profit off of the business not only just profit but even break even like to get the money that they have put in into the um, entire project now of course that is slowly changing for example in 2007 radio had ma- managed to put out an album on their website for pay what you want in rainbows if anybody remembers that and that sort of broke the mu- the music industry but 62% of the people chose not to pay anything and while radiohead still made 3 million dollar 3 million dollars i think off of the records reported i'm not sure uh, somebody please confirm that in the chat if you remember if you know or dm it to me or comment it on some post or something like that a more relevant uh, example of the same would be uh, creators being supported by patreon it is slowly changing but it's not the most important the most um, fast or the most credible change or the most up and coming independent support uh, system for people it's also being misused for example alex jones had a, a couple of donors for some reason there's also uh i mean this is not alex jones type of example to be honest one of the better examples of the same is dan carlin who's running a podcast for i don't know how long 
he's done some 55 episodes uh, he releases these six hour marathons of history and uh, for most part it has been patreon supported it is labor intensive which means that he puts out what two episodes maybe three episodes a year and throughout the episode uh, throughout his thing he's only chosen one um, sponsor which is audible but even he had to lean on advertising to secure a regular income otherwise the he has a, pay, a paywall for most of his uh, most of his episodes if not a paywall then he has a pay what you want system or patronage system that is in place the point being selling just content is a difficult job for people who are doing it full time which is why advertising is such an easy scapegoat to fall to and to lean into which very directly will influence your interests to interest advertisers into your content the third one is very new specific is the role of the media elite now of course to bring news to the people especially from the insides of government office to the outside or to the general public you need to talk to the government officials and get their statements and press releases are provided to well the press and to get into the press there has to be a severe wait a vetting process there has to be establishment of credibility and institution journalistic institutions work years and years to work their relations into multiple places get contacts in different offices and more often than not it is a uh, not an ad, even if it is not an adversarial system it is definitely clear that in all cases everybody's interests need to be secured like for example um competition within the office will be leaked to the press to make sure that there is public pressure to achieve a certain uh, goal within office it it is a common tactic i'm pretty sure you've seen in multiple um tv shows what this collectively results in is that there will be a a huge echo chamber as to what the media is hearing and what the media is willing to tell to make sure that even though they have these contacts in the government offices that they should be always pleased and they keep talking remember that consistent information is better than bombshell information their paychecks don't accelerate the day they get they break a really important news they get a promotion they get fame they get credibility but it is credibility that that, that they will trade in in the future so for a, a prolonged cycle ensures more money to the media uh, media circuit after that part 1 of the filter also chimes in here because when you are talking to these public officials where the media elite will only let in people that they agree with because they're the owners a fundamental understanding for uh, of goals of individuals within a working environment is is extremely important for a cohesive working environment at least in my opinion and if your goals are extremely individualistically driven they have to align with the media elite um there is a reason why the sponsors of big politicians which happen to be a lot of wall street big big timers or even the 1% in us or you know the 1% in what yeah 1% in india curate their own experiences by giving press uh, giving the press what they want the press to see and the press sometimes in turn cooperates for getting consistent content from these creators to make sure they have decent relations in these offices so that they have more and more important um scoops from different places 
there's also the issue of representation everybody who is in a public office or is a public figure by the virtue of being a celebrity or by the virtue of being a, a public intellectual also only talk to media outlets that will represent them in the light that they want to be represented in which means that not only do they get to curate their experiences but also they get to curate who is narrating their experiences which gives them way too much power especially if somebody is hot property or somebody who controls a fair amount of money in these circuits they will make sure that only a select group of media elite get the access to them to make sure that the content is not chaotically represented and it's not a shit show which is where the media elite is created as a as a form of work culture if nothing else now let's say once in a while there is a, a tendency of the media to sort of go on a moral crusade or even profit against the wills of their corporate masters or uh, the political elite who very much control their interests in that case there is the flak machine and one of my one of my favorite uh, things that i like to observe in other people's arguments a whataboutism a whataboutism is sort of straying away from uh, the issue and attacking the credibility of the person who's bringing the story in the book i think it's called uh, the flak yeah like i think so i i remember it to be flak it's summarized in my brain as the flak the flak basically is a whataboutism that revolves around people and comes to why are you a person that we should believe why are you the hero in this situation the truth is life has no heroes most people when you look at them in a roundabout thing they're very imperfect they kind of make mistakes that sometimes are un- unforgivable but most of them are not reasons why they're telling a lie and in some cases these whataboutism uh, whataboutisms are far away from the interests of the media in this case and even though they don't affect the credibility of the person just the fact that they might bias the audience against them will be used and that's how the elite sort of keep a leash on um, the media by attacking their credibility suppose one part of the media so goes rogue and falls out of the institution that uh, facilitates the the production of propaganda in accordance with the uh, with uh, those in power then they get flack they get discredited and they get discarded eventually if the things are way too bad but more important than the flack it is also important that people sort of forget about your worries and go back to whatever they were doing uh and that is the ultimate pan pan ultimate whataboutism that people like to do is by creating the common enemy i think we all know what that means the common enemy is basically a person an identity a group of people an ideology that we need to face in uh, the case of the cold war it's communism post 911 it's mostly been terrorism um in some cases like fox news it's immigrants in a case of republic tv it's anti nationals the sense of looming danger has been very effective in bringing people together um take the example of the indian democracy the reason the indian democracy exists the way it does is because the british came along the bigger common enemy and all of us sort of learned to maybe put our differences in the background 
maybe take them up after the british have left and fight uh, against them at least semi unitedly but also the common enemy could be somebody that they definitely hate or want to hate while they're covering up something that is much more consequential and a bigger threat to their credibility and uh, accountability for example in the case of india what we need to know about is the fact that the virus has not been uh, has not gone the cases are rising day by day there is no signs of our government efficient efficiently dealing with uh, the way the pandemic is going that's why what abouting around the issue with with a, a very tragic death of sushant singh rajput and entirely sensationalizing the trial of uh, the investigation not even the trial the investigation of uh, his homicide allegedly homicide most likely suicide is uh, an issue that the government likes to take now the reason i bring that up is because one of the one of the ways that noam chomsky illustrates his five filter point theory is by showing is talking about new york times new york times at the time and even today is one of the most important uh, newspaper publication in the in the world and they hold the archive of the last what 100 years maybe 150 years of newspapers where they get to dictate the way history is written one of the ways that we read history today of the contemporary times is by talking about what the headlines was on the day that this happened uh, for example how was um, the moon landing report re- remembered go to the headlines uh, even some ca- some case diaries in pol- police stations have just these big boxes that have a control over newspapers and they just show newspapers from day to day from whatever date to whatever date and it is definitely recorded that whose interest will be represented in history it is a consistent consensus among the people that among among intellectuals that the media sort of records the interests of the government and in one more than just one case while chomsky's a uh, book paints a very 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 grim picture of the way the world works especially when it comes to media it definitely has provided us perspective and in the age where is it's re- referred to as the post truth age i definitely believe that it's a book that has gained more importance if nothing else uh, and the conclusion of this episode is very simple reject society except monkey Okay gang that's all i have for you this week i'd like to extend a special thank you to amrit vasna i'm i hope i'm pronouncing his name right if it's an indian name and i fuck it up it really haunts me to my nightmares uh but thank you for letting me borrow that uh, clip for the outro and uh, go check out his channel it's not bad as as far as i've seen it um and please support me on patreon if you think the uh, the podcast is worth it 
Uh, please follow us on social media. This episode is available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts altogether. So that's that. And I I really hope you read the book. I hope you like the episode. I know it was a little rambly, but I did my best to write it down. The the abstract theory thing in this is pretty weird. And plus, no, no, I'm Noam Chomsky is not the most accessible writer I know. So anyway, not to say that you shouldn't give it a go on reading it. Definitely, please read it. It is quite an important book. And uh, take care. Stay cheeky, breaky. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.